from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang, and welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast Practitioner Brief. It's Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. Good morning. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in this morning. I am on the road, obviously, away from my studio, but so is life, but I couldn't, like, you know, I always do the show from the road. I've got an entire setup for the road, and I, in fact, I actually forgot my uh, my light. I thought I had packed it. I did not. I apologize. Lighting's not the greatest, but nonetheless, y'all can still hear me. We've got a packed, packed show this morning. We're shifting a little bit. We're shifting into some actions. We're shifting uh, uh, some of the things that we're seeing uh, that, are, that are taking place now are are going to are going to kind of change the way we practitioners have to adjust into the second half of this year. So a packed show, let's go ahead and get it started. Join me in a coffee cup cheers this morning y'all. I've got my double espresso, coffee cup cheers. All right, we'll start off with by the way, cyberhubpodcast.com. Please make sure to subscribe. Go follow us on your favorite podcast listening platform. June 1st, I'll be with Data Connectors in Atlanta. So come hang out with us there. More information will be coming in next week on that also free tickets for all of those that want those all right intel's investigating a leak of the intel boot guard private keys after the msi breach so intel's investigating the leak of the alleged private keys used by the intel boot guard security feature potentially impacting its ability to block the installation of a malicious uefi firmware on msa devices the uh, money message extortion gang said they attacked msi uh, back in early um back last month and in that attack they stole 1.5 terabytes of data including firmware source code and databases the ransomware gang demanded four million in ransomware it wasn't paid now alex uh, matrosov the ceo of firmware supply chain platform binarily is warning that the leaked source code contains the image signing private keys for 57 msi products and intel boot card private keys for 116 msi products Intel is aware of these reports. They're actively investigating them. And there has been researcher claims that private signing keys are included in the data, including the uh, um, uh, signing keys, uh, the MSI OEM signing keys for Intel boot card. It should be noted that Intel boot card OEM keys are generated by the system manufacturer and they're not Intel signing keys. Nonetheless, having those keys there will have some impact. That's why Intel is saying we're investigating the real impact of this the leaked private parts of the mention keys would allow a potential potential attacker to sign the modified firmware for the device that would pass the intel boot guard verification making the technology completely ineffective essentially rendering it open for all to manipulate and abuse and so one what can you do as a practitioner right now not much we've we've got to wait and see what intel does i wouldn't do any updates on any MSI machines, I wouldn't do uh, anything where, where, where if you're if you're potentially a victim of this, I wouldn't touch any updates at the time because you can't confirm because you can't validate those checks are off. And that's kind of part of that zero trust that you constantly hear about as a practitioner. Don't trust it. Well, now, especially don't trust it, question it and continue to do so. Microsoft is warning of additional state-sponsored attacks targeting the papercut print management software. We can't, I, I, I've, I've, you know, I'm not, I'm not picking on papercut, just so we're all clear, right? Um, they've had a significant vulnerability. It's a zero day, but it's being abused, and not a lot of their customers 
and 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 a good chunk of them are not updating this, which is why more and more people are jump going after this vulnerability. So when you run a scan and you see two hundred thousand unpatched devices globally, that, that that's where you jump. You jump into the you, you if you go fishing, you go fishing where all the fish are. You don't go fishing on a on a lonely island where where there's been no fish. You're going to fish to fish, so you fish. And this is what's happening with paper cut. The uh, mitigation and the patching has been so slow, so mundane. That's one of the things as a software maker. Once you have something like this, it's all hands on deck to get everyone patched up. you got to work with your customers. You've got to find uh, uh, ways to, to, to provide workarounds until people can patch these. And if you're not doing that and you're saying, well, it's the customer's responsibility, you're going to end up losing a lot of customers down the road because it's your vulnerability that started the issue to begin with. And so now the tech giant's threat intel team, that's Microsoft, is saying they've observed both Mango Sandstorm and Mint Sandstorm weaponizing CVE 2023-27350 in their operation to achieve initial access. The exploitation associated with Mango Sandstorm is set to be on the lower end of the spectrum, with the state-sponsored group using tools from prior intrusions to connect to their C2 infrastructure. It's worth noting that Mango Sandstorm is linked to Iran's Ministry of Intelligence and security and Minstein storm is associated with the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. The ongoing assault comes week af- weeks after Microsoft has already confirmed the involvement of Lace Tempest, a cybercrime gang that overlaps with other hacking groups like Fin11, TA505, and Evil Core. Um, the paper cut uh, um, um, vulnerability still continues to have many unpatched devices. And there's more details of additional POC yesterday on the show. If you missed it, we published an additional proof of uh, 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 proof of concept exploit for this vulnerability. So you want to make sure you get it patched. Or if you know anyone in your environment or within your supply chain that's using it that hasn't patched it, you may want to reconsider the risks coming from there as well, because that's going to have an impact. There is a security breach. One million next-gen patients have r- records have been compromised in a data breach. NextGen has clarified that the reported Black Cat data leak that was related to a previous incident, the breach involved what the company describes as an unknown third party. Um, So a company spokesperson for NextGen provided a statement to Dark Reading. There's been a lot going back and forth here, so I'm starting from the very top. Security in all its forms is a top priority. They've learned of the incident. They took steps to investigate and remediate. They're working with leading cybersecurity uh, partners and notifying law enforcement. Uh, individuals uh, were notified on April 28th of the fact that they were uh, part of this breach and they were given 24 months of free fraud detection and identity theft protection. A database containing the PII of more than 1 million people was stolen from NextGen Healthcare, a provider of cloud-based healthcare technology. NextGen Healthcare provided a disclosure to the main attorney general office saying the breach occurred on March 29th and lasted through April 14th. The compromise was discovered on April 24th. The compromise occurred due to an unauthorized access to database stemming from the use of stolen client credentials that appear to have been stolen from other sources or incidents unrelated to NextGen. So if that's the case, so so here's the deal. So they stole it from a third party that had access to your database. Are you not monitoring your third parties? Are you not monitoring their credentials? Are you not refreshing their credentials every now and then? 
Are you not forcing them to change passwords? Are they exempt from your current policies? That's the question I have for NextGen uh, that, that I hope would come through. Uh, they've indicated that the, the database contained name and other PII in combination with social security numbers. They've not responded to much in the dark uh, reading uh, um, request here other than the statement we read up, up front. So we'll see more about that. QR codes are everywhere nowadays. Really everywhere. Every restaurant you go to, instead of printing a bunch of menus now, they're giving you a QR code. Um, I've been in restaurants where they've set our uh, digital menus more updated than our actual menu. So you want to look at that for some really cool specials. Okay, great. Well, now QR codes are being used for fake parking tickets and survey in order to steal money. Now, this doesn't go to impact your company. This does go to impact your workforce. And oftentimes, we as security practitioners lose sight of that because we're so worried about defending and protecting our company that we forget about the people that make our company. And here is where we get to come in and kind of really evangelize security in a better way. And the way we do that is by mentioning something around this idea. Not every QR code is legitimate. There's a lot of illegitimate QR codes. And now we're seeing that a woman in Singapore reportedly lost $20,000 after using a QR code to fill out a survey at a bubble tea shop where cases of fake car parking citations and QR codes targeting drivers have been observed both in the U.S. and the U.K. The Singaporean-based woman lost $20,000 to a Felsi scam after visiting a bubble tea shop. She was not named, but a sticker on the glass door encouraging visitors to scan a QR code and fill out a survey for a free cup of milk tea was there, and obviously no one in the store actually paid attention, thought it was there, legitimate, someone else put it. Why would you ask questions? She scanned it, and so and behold, she had a survey that siphoned out $20,000 from her bank account. And you're seeing that all over the U.S. You're seeing it on parking meters where you'll, they'll put QR codes on parking meters and people scan them thinking they're paying for parking, but they're not. They're really putting in their credit card information into a bad system that's then siphoning money out. So great way to just talk about security today, y'all, and just share this and bring attention to it and evangelize it. And hey, we care about your money. Google has now releasing a general availability of rules OCI, an open source Basil plugin for building container images. The Basil improves supply chain trust by using dependencies integrity hashes. Google uses this built to test out tool for creating uh, distortless base images for Docker. The distortless images too are meant to improve supply chain security as they are minimal base images that include only what's necessary for an application to run. Using a minimal base image reduces the burden of managing risk associated with security vulnerabilities, licensing and governance issues in the supply chain for building applications. According to Google, the new rule set that replaces rule, rules under uh, Score Docker, which, which was previously used for building container images, provides numerous improvements, including features related to security. The new plugin can be used uh, can use trusted third-party tool chains. Does not require running a Docker de uh, daemon uh, already on the machine, and does not include language-specific rules. So, one more thing to add: government and industries to throw off ransomware is slowly starting to pay off, according to Jen Easterly and many folks there. The Ransomware Task Force, which is an industry group founded by the ISD, the Institute for Security and Technology, during the height of COVID-19. Uh, issued its May 2023 progress report. They've announced that it's 48 recommendations for how society could fight back against the scourge of ransomware. 
uh, and a full 92% have already been addressed in one way or another. The result of this progress already showing up in the data and being felt on the ground, I think it's reasonable to compare ransomware to COVID, according to Kurt Franklin, principal analyst for Omedia. We're past the pandemic and into an endemic, and it's not consistent in your face now. It's just part of your everyday cybercrime background that we deal with. Still, ransomware attacks continue to rise, obviously, the city of Dallas last week and many, many more. So this report is saying that among the myriad ways government enterprise and individuals have stepped up, uh, to the plate. Well, you know, one way to fight ransomware is do fundamental security well. Vulnerability management is critical. It's really, really important. Once you're able to do vulnerability management, everything from there just kind of goes with it. All of these advancements are already bearing fruit, obviously. And so so there's there's that. I guess there's some light at the end of the tunnel here for all of us this morning. That's it for our show today. We'll be back tomorrow with a whole lot more. Until then, thank you all for tuning in. Sorry for the lighting and some of the background noise here. Thanks for your patience. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback. So make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.